Good morning, everyone. I am Patty Bray, John's wife, and I get the privilege of sharing with you today in chapel, and I can tell you I am thrilled beyond words to do that. I love to try to communicate something of God's love and God's will to his people. But I have to admit, even as I say that, I know that communication is often more difficult than we think it is. There are times when we think we're communicating so well only to find out that the other person isn't understanding a thing that we say. Have you ever been in situations like that? I love it when I'm in those times when it's funny. I've had a lot of those times. I remember one of those times was a few years ago, I was in Atlanta, Georgia at a pastor's conference with John. So after the first day, there were a bunch of pastors and wives who said, hey, let's go out to eat. We all said, sure, sounds great. Well, what I didn't realize was that over in the corner, the guys were deciding where we were going to go, and they decided we were going to go to a restaurant called The Melting Pot. Now understand, I didn't hear where we were going, and I had never heard of a melting pot restaurant. So we went off to this fondue restaurant, and we just had a ball. We were laughing and having a great time. And I'd been interacting with the college-age wa waiter over the period of the two hours. And so at one point, he looked down at me, and he said, so do you have a melting pot where you're from? And I thought, well, that's the strangest question I've ever heard anybody ask me because all I knew of a melting pot was what I had learned as a senior in high school, where I had heard that a melting pot is a place like New York City, where it's just a conglomeration of people from every nationality, every ethnic group, where they come together and they have this melting pot of the world. So I thought, wow, I wonder why he cares, but I was going to answer him, and so I said, well, um, um, it's funny that you should ask, but recently I did a study of the Quad Cities and I found that 14% were African American and 10% were Asian. And I noticed that all of my pastors and wives were just looking at me like I was crazy and holding their breath. And this young waiter was like, are you from another planet? And then he said, no ma'am, I mean, are you do you have a melting pot restaurant where you're from? Well, I was so embarrassed, and all of my friends were just laying on the table laughing their heads off, and it reminded me again that communication is hard. And so I've been praying for weeks for this service that God, the Holy Spirit, will help me to communicate in a way that is just purely from Him, but that He'll do even more than that. That the Holy Spirit will fill this room with His presence, and that you will be touched in a way that you'll know it's not Patty who's communicated with you this morning. It's the Spirit of God. Would you pray with me that that will happen? Oh, dear Holy Spirit, right now, I pray you will fill this room and that you will do amazing work by the time we end today. And when you do that, we'll be so careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got a question for you this morning. Got any pain in your life? Got any pain in your life? The theme of chapel this semester is stories. I may not know you personally, but one thing I know for sure about your story 
is that you either have already experienced a significant time of pain in your life or you will in your future. You see, pain is inevitable. There's so many different kinds of pain represented in this room. There's the pain of sexual abuse. Did you know that most reports today say that 20% of women and 5 to 10% of men have experienced abuse or assault in our country today? There's the pain of divorce. Many of you sitting in this room today have experienced that in your family, and it's brought significant pain in your life. There's the pain of a broken relationship. You thought that that relationship was a forever one only to find out that it wasn't what you had dreamed it would be. There's the pain that comes from hidden sin. For example, some of you have continually given in to your addiction to pornography and it's created such a deep shame in your life that it is painful to the core of your being. There's the pain of loneliness, where you've been longing, perhaps, for that one person to fill those gaps of your life. And you just feel so alone because that person hasn't come into your life yet. There's the, the pain of abortion. Nobody knows. You've never told anybody. But the pain is eating your life. There's the pain of rejection where you have desperately wanted someone to accept you, maybe a parent, maybe a spouse, maybe a loved one, but it's just not happened, and the pain fills you. There's the pain of bullying, where someone has called you names, they've told you you were stupid, they've told you you were worthless, they've told you you were fat, they've told you you were ugly. There's, there are just all kinds of pain represented in this room. I've been in ministry for more than 40 years now, and in those years, I have talked with hundreds of people who are experiencing gut-wrenching, deep, heart-rending pain. Plus, I've had my own measure of pain. And I realized that pain really does seem to be the common denominator in our world. So I guess the question for us today is not, have you had any pain? But rather, what will you do with your pain? The world is filled with people who have dealt with pain in an unhealthy, destructive way. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus offers a different way. So I want to talk to you today about how to walk through pain as God would have you walk. Along the way, I'll be sharing with you some of my own particular parts of pain in my life and some lessons that I've learned along the way and continue to learn about pain. So lesson number one, as we walk through pain, turn to the word. Turn to the Word. Turn to the Word. I have loved the Bible ever since I was a child. I've studied God's Word literally all of my life. It's taught me who God is. It's taught me how to live for Him. And it's touched my life in countless ways. But during one phase of my life, as I was walking through one of those gut-wrenching times of pain, the Word began to be more meaningful to me to a depth that I had never before experienced. I don't feel clear to share with you the details of how that particular pain came into my life in order to protect the story of someone else and because it involves a family member. But I can tell you that as I walked through that, I was absolutely broken. I was so broken that I would pray that the Lord would take me to heaven. I wasn't suicidal. I just didn't want to live with that kind of pain, that kind of heartache. 
And it was as if every day right in front of me was this gigantic pit of depression. And the only way that I could stay outside of that pit was if I would turn to God's word and to prayer and beg him to keep me out of that pit. I remember one night when the pain was almost unendurable. I took my Bible and I sat on the bathroom floor and I read it all night long. It's impossible to tell you in words what happened that night. It was as if Jesus were sitting on that floor beside me all night long, talking to me through his word, carrying me, loving me, strengthening me, holding me. Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, word after word, hour after hour, Jesus just spoke to me through his word especially the Psalms. Psalm 119, my heart is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. Psalm 6, my heart is in anguish, O Lord. How long, how long? Turn, O Lord, and deliver me, save me with your unfailing love. And his word just poured over me that night, speaking to me exactly as I needed him to do in my time of desperation. Even John, who loved me so much and who did everything he could, could do to comfort me, couldn't help me to the extent that I needed him. But God, God through his word met me on that bathroom floor at my point of need. You know, I talk to people all the time who are experiencing great heartache and pain. And I find that it seems as if they are turning away from the word rather than turning to the word in their times of crisis. It's, to me, as if they're just spending less time in the word rather than running to the word. Oh, if there were one lesson that I could teach you today, it's that you need to become a person of this word. In good times, learn it, love it, and stand upon it. And in bad times, let it be your rock, your refuge, your help. Don't neglect God's word during your times of pain. Turn to the word. The second lesson that I have learned in times of pain is this. Receive his comfort. Receive his comfort. You know, I've known all my life that God is not a God way out there, removed from our lives. I have known that he is intimately concerned, intimately connected with our lives. He's real through the Holy Spirit who lives inside the believer. And I've lived that truth for a lifetime, and I've taught it to thousands of people. But in those times when I've walked through the depth of pain, I have experienced his presence, his comfort in a deeper way than ever before because I needed him more desperately than I'd ever needed him before. One of those times came four years ago. Our daughter Carrie was getting ready to deliver our second grandchild, Margot June. She was 10 days away. From delivery and our excitement was gigantic we couldn't wait to get on the plane and fly out to California and hold that new baby but at nine o'clock on a Thursday night we received a <clears throat> we received a call that Carrie had just stumbled on the sidewalk and ruptured her placenta and Margot June died instantly 
and our daughter was lying in a hospital at the brink of death. At one point, a nurse came out to the lobby where friends were waiting, and she said, I don't know if you're praying, people, but if you are, you better pray. We've done everything we can do, and it's not working. And here we were, thousands of miles away, longing to be in that hospital room, unable to get there for 24 hours. And I thought my heart would break. All I could do all night long was just cry out to Jesus for my precious little girl. There are no words to describe the nearness of my Savior during those 24 hours as I cried out to him. When we finally arrived at the hospital, we experienced then the heartache of watching our daughter so deathly ill. And we needed the comfort of our Savior in those moments. After a few days, Carrie began to recover, but her kidneys shut down. And we waited in the hospital for a couple more weeks, not knowing if and when her kidneys would start up again. And in those weeks, all we could do was just cry out to Jesus and trust him and receive his comfort. And his comfort filled my life moment by moment. I remember thinking over and over again, how do people walk through things like this without knowing you, Jesus? I found 2 Corinthians 1, 3, true to the core of my soul. He really was the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles. Let me tell you one more time that I found his comfort to be so true, so deep, so real. I'm going to need a Kleenex from somebody. I'm sorry, I forgot to bring one up here, so somebody grab one and just get it to me sometime. <laughs> During the darkest days related to that experience that left me on the bathroom floor, I was taking a class. <laughs> Thanks, Hunter. <laughs> During those darkest days that left me on the bathroom floor, I was taking a class here at IWU for my master's. My heart was just crushed with sadness. I was looking forward to arriving here and going to the little chapel that I'd heard had just been completed on campus. So my first day here after my class was over, I took my Bible and I walked into the chapel. I will never forget as I opened that door to that little chapel, the only thing that I saw in front of me was Jesus in the garden. His hands were outstretched in supplication, in agony, in pain to his heavenly father. And it seemed to me in that moment that I could see his pain etched on his face. I could feel his agony in his posture. And in that moment, a truth hit me like I had never experienced before. You know my pain. I fell to my knees, sobbing over and over. You know my pain. You know my pain. You know my pain. You see, I knew that the Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted, and I'd experienced his comfort countless times when I needed it. But in that moment... In that moment, I felt his comfort to a degree that I had never experienced before. I just stayed on my knees, sobbing, receiving his comfort. As I understood, he understands pain 
and he cares about mine. And somehow in those moments, for some indescribable way, the truth brought a measure of healing to my life. I can assure you today, his presence, his love, his comfort goes as deep as our pain, if only we will allow it. But I wonder if some of you are sitting here today saying, Patty, if you knew my pain, I'm not sure you would say that that's true. My pain is like that pit that you talked about earlier, except for me being on the outside of the pain is not true. I'm on the inside of that pit of pain. And for you, for you, I think of the words of Corey Ten Boom. She was the Christian who, during the Holocaust, housed many Jews to keep them from the Nazis. So she was imprisoned in a concentration camp for this act of faith, and she knew indescribable pain. And out of that pain, she once wrote, There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. I am convinced that some of you here in this room today need to hear that truth. He knows your pain and he cares about your pain. If you're brokenhearted, he is near. He wants to bring you comfort like no one else can bring. Turn to him. Cry out to him. Draw near to him. His love goes as deep as your pain. Lesson number three. Dump the pain. Dump the pain. Maybe your pain has a hold on you, a grip that has become like a chain that wraps itself, itself around you, never fully letting go of you. At some point, I would have described my pain in that way over that situation that drove me to the bathroom floor. I was so devastated, I was so broken that the pain had hold of me rather than me holding, having hold of the pain. For a period of time, I didn't even realize that this was true. But one day, I was talking to someone about the situation, and in a moment, it was as if God opened a, turned on a light bulb in my heart and my mind, and I realized that I was allowing the devil to wrap me up in that pain and to define my life by that and suddenly I understood I don't have to allow this pain to chain me up any longer and literally in a moment's time I was able to lay that devastating pain at the feet of Jesus I was able to release that pain to him and I felt as if he physically took something off of me from that moment on I have walked without that degree of heartache I'm still sad over the situation because the situation still remains to today. But I'm no longer defined by it. And I'm not wrapped up in chains over it. Listen, my friends. I am convinced that today some of you need to experience what I experienced that day. A release from the pain that has chained you up perhaps for years. And I want to share with you how I think you can do that. 1 Peter 5.7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. 
If we would take that message in that verse in today's message, we would say, give all your pain to God, for he cares for you. Now, some of you might say, I'd like to do that, Patty. I just don't know how. I've tried. I've wondered that too in my own life at times. Well, one day I was reading that verse in a translation that said, cast all of your worries and cares to the Lord, for he cares for you. And for me, that was the word picture of fishing. Cast all of your pain on God, for he cares for you. And I, it didn't help me much because for me, it was the word picture of, you know what you do when you fish? You cast it, but then what do you do? You reel it back in. So it wasn't helpful for me because I felt like that's what I had been doing, casting and then reeling it back in. And then I heard a pastor say that it also has the connotation of throw upon. And I liked that a little bit better because I liked the idea of just taking my pain and just throwing. It, in the original language, it's a very decisive act. And so that helped me a little bit because I liked the thought of throwing it on him and not carrying it myself. But then, then I heard a pastor say that it also is the idea of dump it on him. Dump all of your worries and cares on God, for he cares for you. Dump all of your pain on him, for he cares for you. And for some reason, that really helped me. Maybe it's because it reminded me of something that had happened a few years before that with my dad. You have to know that my dad was a true hillbilly from the hills of Kentucky. He was total hillbilly, uneducated man, and he loved to go to the dump to get some treasures. I know most of you find that impossible to believe, so do I, but it was my dad. And he would bring something back from the dump and he'd say, I just can't believe somebody throwed that thing away. Can you believe they'd throw that away? And we'd go, no, daddy, we can't believe it. Well, one day we went to see my dad and he had, he proudly showed us a reclining chair that he brought back from the dump. He wanted all of us to sit in that chair. I know, well I did, but I noticed that the chair smelled. And so I said, Daddy, do you notice that this chair smells? And he said, I know, I know it smells. I've been trying to get that smell out of there and I just can't do it yet. I said, okay. Six months later, I went back to visit my mom and dad again and I noticed that the recliner was gone. So we said, Daddy, where's the recliner? And he said he had to take it back to the dump because he had found out that someone had died in the recliner. That's what I thought. <laughs> I thought two things. One, I'd sat in that chair where a dead person had sat. And two, that's why you take something to the dump and leave it there. Some things belong to the dump. Some things should live at the dump. Today, listen, many of you have pain that you need to take to God's dump and you need to leave it there because that's where it belongs. As I've talked with you this morning, perhaps you have pictured a face of someone who inflicted great pain on you. For some of you, maybe it was a situation that came into your life that caused great pain. Jesus is saying to you today, I know, I care, I want to comfort you, I want to take that pain, receive my healing. 
So my question for you today is this. Are you ready to dump some pain on Jesus? Are you ready to release some of that heartache over that person or that situation and leave it there? You received a card when you came in that says, Jesus, here's my pain. I'm dumping it on you. And I wonder, what do you need to dump? In just a few moments, I'm going to ask you to write your specific pain on that card. For you, it might be the name of a person. For you, it might be a situation that came into your life. But I'm going to ask you, to write your pain on the card. What do you need to release? What do you need to dump today? And then when the team sings, I want to ask you if you, wanna, if you would take yours and go to one of the receptacles that are all throughout the room today. As you take it to the trash can, I want to ask you just to whisper out loud, Jesus, here's my pain. I'm not holding on to it any longer. Here it is. I'm dumping it on you. I'm not taking it back. And release your pain. And find healing. Even as you do this, I'm convinced that it will be a sign of surrender for some of you. And your faith in Jesus that he's going to take it. I expect there may be a hundred or more of you who will do this. And even as you make it your step of surrender, I really believe you're going to experience a measure of healing. But for some of you, for some of you, you need an extra step. Your pain has been gripping you so long. And it has such a strong hold on you that you need an extra measure of grace today, an extra measure of healing. And I'm going to ask you, if that represents you, to write on your card, but to bring yours up here to the altar and lay it on the altar and just remain here. And when people have come forward and the song is over, I'm just going to pray a prayer of healing for you and ask the Holy Spirit to do an extra measure of healing in your life. Now, I don't know if this part will be two people or 20 people or 200 people. I don't care. I just know that I feel for sure like the Holy Spirit has said, somebody needs healing today in an extra measure. So as I've been sharing my story of pain, has the Holy Spirit been working on you and you're ready to find healing? If you're ready, let's do some dumping. And when you're ready, you can write on your card and take it to a trash can all throughout the room and whisper, here it is, Jesus. Here it is. Here it is. But for some of you who need an extra measure of healing, come forward at the altar and just remain here. You can stand. You can lay down. I don't care what you do. But just wait, and we'll do some praying together. Dear Holy Spirit, dear Holy Spirit, we just desperately need you to work. No human being can heal. It's just got to be you reaching into these lives that you love so much and saying, this is the day I'm bringing healing to you, and you're never going to be the same. So fill this room right now, Holy Spirit, and move upon your people, I pray. Amen. Chaplains, if you're not already up here, would you make sure you come up and stand or kneel at the altar with these people? Listen, guys, if you're at the altar, I want you to look at me just for a second. 
I want to ask you a question that Jesus asked a lot. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? I think he asked that question. He knew the answer, but the person had to identify the answer in himself. Do you want to be healed? If you do, he wants to heal. For some of you, that means you've got to repent over stuff that you've been in and receive his healing. For some of you, you're just here to dump it. And I've just been begging God over the last couple of weeks that in this moment, you would, that there'd be many of you who would say, this was a defining moment in my life where I just felt from that moment on that Jesus reached into my life and he did something. And I know I don't have any powers of doing that, but I just want to bring you to the throne of grace and ask God to do a healing in you right now that 10 years from now, you'll be able to say, he healed me, he healed me, or he began a healing in me. So I'm going to give you a second to dump it, and I'm going to pray for you. Talk to him. I keep picturing Luke chapter 5 where it says the power of God was present to heal the sick. I'm praying for that right in this moment that the power of God will be present to heal these who are just in desperate need for an extra measure of your healing. And I pray you, Holy Spirit, right now will dig deep into their hearts and deep into their minds and will lift that pain up out of them where it'll be almost as if they feel something physically leaving them. Where they're saying, I am dumping it at the feet of Jesus and I'm not taking it back again. And I pray, Lord, for those who are in that pit or those who are at the edge of that pit, that right now today you would help them to know you're releasing them from the depth of that pain. I know that it may take days, weeks, months, or years to find um, the depth of healing that, that can come, but I really believe that you want to do something right now, right now, right now. The Holy Spirit, I just pray you'll do your work, what only you can do. Heal them, Jesus. Heal them from the pain that has caused them to be wrapped up in chains and that has inhibited them from being all that you can make of them. And I just ask it in the powerful name of Jesus, understanding that you're the only person who can do this. But you can. So I just pray you'll release the pain right now all across this room. For those who dropped their cards in the trash barrels, for those who are kneeling before you, do a new work. Do a new work. Help them to know your comfort. Help them to know they, can, they need to run to the word. Heal. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. 
me tell you three things, guys. One, I believe God has begun a work in you today, but probably for most of you, like with me, he has to continue that. I want to encourage you to find somebody to tell. If, you, if your pain is a deep secret, find somebody to tell. You can tell me, you can tell John, you can tell a professor, you can tell um, one of your chaplains. Find somebody that you trust and verbalize that pain. Somebody needs to know that to carry it with you. And two, some of you need to get counseling. We've got a slide up here about the counseling that you can, that you can get. Sometimes a professional trained person can help pull something out of you. That day when the pain was released from me, I was talking to a counselor. And in an instant, God did something. And three, spend time in praise. Not just the words, but spend time in praise. Spend time in praise. Spend time in praise. And that's what we're going to do as we go out of here today. We're going to sing about the victor's crown. God's brought the victory. We just have to figure out how to live the victory. I honor you for stepping out today and acknowledging your pain. And I just want you to know John and I will be praying for you. And we'll be praying for you. And God who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's sing together and praise our Savior. You can stay, you can uh, go back to your seats, whatever you want to do. Father, we thank you that our pain is wiped away and the slate is made clean, Lord. And that you can take these hardships in our life and you can create beauty from the ashes of this pain. And we thank you for that, Lord. And as we leave this place, Lord, our hope and our prayer is that we will remember the words that Patty has said. And we will remember the words of the songs that we have sung today. That there is freedom and there is victory from our pain. And that you break every chain, Lord, in our life. And there is beauty from it. We love you. And we thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that these things that have been said will stay on our hearts. And as we leave this place today, we will not forget the truth that has been spoken over us this morning. We love you, Lord. In your name, amen.